Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy! Welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our last podcast and had a good week. I hope that uh, since last time you were able to remember and give glory to God in at least three things. And I hope you also uh, took the opportunity to uh, download the episode and send it to somebody that you love and care about who you think would appreciate this. Also, uh, another thing that both Colts and I, I think, would like would be a little bit of feedback. If you have any questions with things that we have said, um, with comments about uh what is impacting you, you can email us at underanopenheaven.fire at gmail.com or you can uh, leave a, uh, a review if you have positive things to say. Um, I mean, if you have questions, that the, the review is probably not the best place for that, but mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll, we also have a Facebook page. You can also message our Facebook page as well. So uh, there's a couple of different ways to get a hold of us. Uh, those are two, two ways. And if you know us, then you can just send us a thing personally and we'll we'll get to it, okay? Awesome. So we're glad to have you back. And once again, I have with me... Colton Jones. Yeah, and my name is Arthur Richardson. It's glad, we're glad to have you back. Today we're going to be covering Psalm 30. For the rest of the Psalms, we're probably going to be going at a little bit quicker of a pace, just so you know. Um, and uh, we're going to be picking and highlighting some of the more... Some of the, the psalms that have had a greater impact on us. Um, that's not saying that the rest of the psalms are not important or that you shouldn't, on your own, read them because they're really, really good. Uh, I think both both of us would suggest trying the... Uh, like Liturgy of the Hours. Yeah, the Liturgy of the Hours. So we both would suggest that you try Liturgy of the Hours. It's, it's a really good way to get you introduced to the psalms and a bunch of different psalms all at different times of the day. Uh, it's it's what made me fall in love with the Psalms when I was a missionary. Me too. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's actually probably why we wanted to start with the Psalms is we both have like that background with the uh, Liturgy of the Hours and it's, it's had a huge impact on us. So we wanted to welcome you into that. Uh, yeah. So without further ado, we're going to get into Psalm 30. It's, it's pretty good, I'd like to say. I mean, they're all pretty darn good, but I think it has a lot of relevance to our lives today. So without further ado, I praise you, Lord, for you raised me up and did not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out. I cried out to you for help and you healed me. Lord, you brought my soul up from Sheol. You let me live from going down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you faithful. Give thanks to his holy memory for his anger lasts but a moment, his favor a lifetime. At dusk weeping comes for the night, but at dawn there is rejoicing. Complacent. I once said, I shall never be shaken. Lord, you showered me with favors, established for me mountains of virtue. But when you hid your face, I was struck with terror. To you, Lord, I cried out. With the Lord, I pleaded for mercy. What gain is there from my lifeblood, from my going down to the grave? Does dust give you thanks or declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You changed my mourning into dancing. You took off my sackcloth. You clothed me in gladness. 
so that my glory may praise you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, forever I will give you thanks. So Colton, first thoughts. I think uh, I I really like the psalm because this is David recognizing um, God's vindication of his prayers, his calls for help, his cries. Mm -hmm. He says, I praise you, Lord, for you raised me up and did not let my enemies rejoice over me. You know, David, a king, he also waged war. So he wasn't just talking about like tough things in his life. He was probably talking about legitimate enemies who wanted to kill him. Right. So, um, and it's just him recognizing the goodness of God and uh, the promises of God fulfilled. What about you? What what stood out to you? Um, so that that what you mentioned was good for me as well. But uh, I guess whenever I hear like my enemies, I always think immediately of like evil spirits, lies within the culture. Uh, so it it's just a reminder for me that evil will not have the last say. Mm-hmm. Even if there are a lot of people who maybe even act in unison with evil, that will not, those people will not have the last say, even if it may seem like it. Yeah, but moving on from that, I cried out for you for help and you healed me. I don't know about you, but like, honestly, it hasn't been until recently that, um, and we've talked a lot about miracles, but I think it's really important to continue to talk about them. And especially when it comes to like the personal understanding of miracles. For me, going through, uh, just acknowledging like my brokenness, my my issues. Actually, to be honest, like just going through life, I've realized that like there are things that have happened in my life that uh, they were just neutral, neutral things in general. But I kind of misunderstood and, and took on as a burden or like a lie about myself. And what's really interesting about our minds, our bodies is that like these things that are honestly lies that like kind of circulate in our minds cause a lot of stress. These lies kind of prevented me from thinking that God would actually heal me. Like God might, for a long time, I didn't believe that God was even active. And I mentioned that before, but I think it's important to stress that again, that like I operated for a long time that God was not active. And then once I kind of got over that and was like, okay, I see that God is, is active. He's doing things. And moved on to the next lovely little lie that I held on to. God does stuff for other people, but not me. And I think this, this line right here. Oh Lord, my God, I cried out to you for help and you healed me. There's such a closeness with the person of God right there. Oh Lord, my God. Just claiming this wonderful, beautiful God is my God. You healed me. I, I think that it's super simple, but these things are really easy to just blaze over you know and i I don't want to do that anymore you you know what i mean like i'm sick of i'm sick of this um and this is kind of a newer thing where i i will see a miracle or i'll see something really amazing and beautiful like we were talking before the podcast about i had this beautiful revelation about nature and it's kind of hard to put to words right now because it's still in in my mind mysticism you know and it sounds kind of weird coming out of my mouth it it just doesn't seem rational. And I've had a lot of those like experiences of like, I've encountered God's love. I've encountered his revelation to me and his power to me. Yet I've just moved on and I've forgotten, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that was kind of the first thing that struck me. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or do you want to move on to the, your next thing? It It sounds like you're, you're describing just like whenever we forget the goodness that God has given us, we become complacent. Yeah. And while you were uh, talking a little bit, I mean, this, there, 
part three of this psalm, it starts off with complacent. Complacent, I once said, I shall never be shaken. Uh, I looked, there's a little asterisk by it, so I know it's in the footnotes, and it says complacent, you know, an untroubled existence is often seen as a source of temptation. Right. Yeah. And grammatically is saying complacent. Mm-hmm. I was complacent, yeah. and in that complacency, I said, mm-hmm. complacent, I said, there's a comma there. Yeah. Um, in, oh, also in the footnotes, it says, uh, as seen as a source of temptation to forget God. Yep. So, yeah, that's that's what my footnote says, too. Yeah. Footnotes are great, people. <laughs> they are, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so I, I don't know about you, but I think complacency is really dangerous, both for me, but also for our church. And I think we've dealt with that temptation recently of being complacent. And I, I'd say, you know, for me, no more. I'm sick of being complacent. I'm sick of being cozy and comfortable. Like, I... I mean, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite stories is Lord of the Rings, right? What is that a story of? That is a story about a complacent little happy being who goes off on an adventure. A little happy guy who goes off on an adventure and experiences not complacency. Do you mean The Hobbit? The Hobbit. Okay. The Hobbit. I mean, honestly, so are Lord of the Rings, too. Yeah, I mean, like, pretty much all of the hobbits are, like, complacent. They're, they don't yeah. want anything in their life shaken up. No. At all. Yeah. But that that's just what needs to happen in our lives, period. Mm-hmm. Like, One thing, y- yeah, my dear brothers and sisters, it is time It is time we call upon the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I. One thing I... Um, I was looking at the n- news recently, which I should watch less of the news, but at least I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find some relevant news sources and have... A good filter on what I'm like watching and stuff yeah. like that. But something that they said kind of struck me. It was about uh, just like the meat packaging industry and stuff like that. And it, it's a very efficient system. But the problem with efficient systems is that they're very fragile. Mm. And I feel like that's the same way with complacency. Uh, we fall into complacency because we made everything efficient. Yep. Nothing is quite difficult. But like in The Hobbit, uh, whenever, or no, sorry, it was in Lord of the Rings, Frodo was talking to Gandalf. He was just like, he was talking to him about like his involvement with Bilbo. He was like, if you were referring to the dragon incident, all I gave him was a push out the door. And um, that little push out the door broke his complacency. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 like complacency is very fragile. Well, and to be often, honest, yeah. that, that complacency was broken throughout the entirety of that book. Oh, yeah. Like there were multiple times that he would like think back to his teapot and his favorite chair. Like to be clear, like complacency, like comfort is, is in of itself... Well, let me backtrack. Complacency is bad. Comfort is not necessarily bad. Like there, there is, like we can experience comfort because God allowed us to experience comfort. Like there's good in that. Um, God wants us at certain moments to be comfortable. But the the danger is when when I decide I'm gonna always be comfortable. That's the that's where it gets dangerous. Um, or when I'm gonna be comfortable, rather than walking with God and and. In unison with him choosing, I'm going to be comfortable now and I'm going to stretch myself now. I mean, honestly, when it comes to to really anything dealing with charity, when I say charity, I mean like genuine acts of love. Mm-hmm. And the the most generic form of charity that most people think of when I say charity it would be like giving money to the poor. But I'm going to take a step further. Like when I was living down in Detroit and going to school there, uh, there were a lot of people who were struggling with homelessness um, and they got ignored. Right. There's a lot. There's I mean, granted, there's issues with this because there was that weird thing with people posing as as struggling with homelessness in Flint, but um, they actually weren't. So, I mean, like 
that's that's another little struggle there. But if we're going to be completely honest, sometimes it can be kind of uncomfortable to deal with somebody who is struggling with homelessness because it kind of like it's it tugs at our heart. Yeah. If we sit, if we stay there too long, it makes us uncomfortable because we kind of realize I've got a lot. That person has nothing. And if we look at that one situation and like use that as a template of like there is a situation that makes me feel uncomfortable for whatever reason. And it might not be dealing with working with and loving somebody who struggles with homelessness. That might not be your thing. It, it might be something else. Uh, when I was taking my social justice class with uh, at the seminary, my teacher, she was really drilling home really hard, like the problem of racism. That was uh, pretty prevalent in Detroit. Uh, she grew up with like with Martin Luther King Jr. and all of that. So um, like she had firsthand experience of growing up with racism. Now, I think we've come a long way since there. I think we still have more to go. But regardless, um, what she did, though, for me was she she challenged me that if this isn't your thing, this isn't what makes you feel uncomfortable. Find out what it is. And I, I did a lot of soul searching and the Lord provided a few different options for me or not options, but opportunities for me to, to realize um, where I'm vulnerable, mm-hmm. what makes me feel uncomfortable. And I realized that for me, um, people with severe special needs makes me feel uncomfortable because there's a bit of me that feels guilty because I have all these intellectual, physical gifts, whatever. And they don't, and they're like, I can't bridge that gap. I like, you know what I mean? Um, but what I can do is pray for them, pray yeah. with them. Be like, honestly, like this, this was a huge step for me and it might not seem like much, but just smiling and making eye contact mm-hmm. with them. If I sense it's appropriate. So what I'm getting at is that there's these little things that we can do to make ourselves not complacent but rather be established on the mountain of virtue. Yeah. And I, I like how David kind of sets up where he was when he was, when he was complacent. He says, uh, complacent. I once uh, said, I shall never be shaken. Lord, you showed me favor established for me mountains of virtue, but then you hid your face from me. Mm-hmm. I was struck with terror. It was just like a simple thing. Like, like that's the, that's like the fragileness of complacency that I yep. mentioned. Like it was the simple act of God, maybe withholding some graces. Then you realize like, this is all God. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and I, I think I experienced something similar during quarantine was, uh, it's super easy. Uh, if you, if you're stuck at home and stuff like that, to get complacent in your faith. Oh, yeah. How do you, yeah, I mean, my, my main sort of thing that I did was go to mass as often as I could, hopefully uh, a couple times a week and not being able to go to mass. I sort of like didn't have that prayer or at least, uh, I wasn't in the environment to think yeah. about prayer. So, uh, once that was like withdrawn, I realized like, oh man, like I'm in trouble this is going to take a lot of a lot of effort and i felt at times like god had hidden his face i felt like that that uh, yeah. sort of um terror and there was another time last year in the beginning of fall right when the semester was starting uh i think the most fragile time of anyone's school year because you're like i have no idea what these classes are going to do to me sort of a thing um mm-hmm. and i had an existential crisis yeah one of them <laughs> great time like i was I'm going to, I'm going to unpack what I'm going to call it. So I had to reconfigure my epistemology. 
like how I come to know things. It was a it was a deep sort of wow. one. So yeah. I'm like, all right, if I if, if like how do I know that what I know is real? And um, I decided after a while because I, I had wrestled with that for a couple weeks and it was giving me nothing but anxiety. And I'm like, what I know most truly is what has happened interiorly what has happened within me and i know that i've experienced god internally in ways that i cannot uh force myself or uh coerce myself to experience so this experience for me is real and i now i have faith that god is real is an external person interacting with my internal self so if god is real and external then I can trust him. Mm-hmm. So uh, it started it, like that's how my resolution from this weird existential nightmare um, happened was just having yeah. faith, yeah. Le- letting faith bridge the gap between uh, uh, experiencing and knowing. Yeah. Knowing yeah. Something I want to pull from that too is that like uh, I was speaking about complacency with action. You were mm-hmm. speaking about complacency with faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like, when when uh the lockdown hit and the covid shut down you know i <laughs> this might sound bad but um i worked as a youth minister in a lot of a lot of masses that i would like just to make my obligation if you will mm-hmm. um the masses that i participated in it counted as work and i i approached it as work mm-hmm. um my prayer life was completely internal like the the moments at the beginning of my day at the end of my day like in particular with my car ride in particular with like different breaks that I would uh, be able to take um, yeah so that was my 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 prayer life was more dependent upon like my personal need with God yeah so when I <laughs> I didn't really enter into a complacency you know because of that I. I have been in complacency before. Um, actually, when I was a missionary, um, I would say that the majority of my prayer life revolved around the Mass and around the Eucharist, which um, clearly are not bad things. But because of COVID, a lot of us lost access to the yeah. Eucharist. Yeah. In, a, in, like, in a physical sense. Now, the amazing mystery is that once we've received Him, at least like even just once or even spiritually, like He's in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and not going to lie. I mean, like even I, I really struggled when I came back for the last time of like being integrated for like two years of going to daily mass every single day, having like three hours of silent adoration, you know, like a large amount of prayer a day. (laughs) It's a lot of prayer, you know, grand, the Lord was doing a lot in me and I needed it. Uh, (laughs) but, um, when I came back that that like oh crap i don't have the time to go to mass every day i don't have the time to spend this much time in prayer every day i have responsibilities that are outside of being a missionary and that reality hit me pretty hard and i had i really struggled for a while um once again hit complacency Mm -hmm. hit a point where i just wasn't praying for a while yeah um yeah if i flash back to now you know, I think the danger that we have of relying too much on somebody else leading us in prayer is that if we don't have an opportunity to re- to, to get it, we're going to struggle, right? So 
that's what I'm saying is like we need to be careful about allowing other people leading us in prayer to lead us into complacency mm-hmm. because the only person that we need to truly be relying on leading us is Jesus. If we think about it as like a dance, like, yeah, you can have like group dances and stuff. And like, that's like, if you're at, if you're ever at like a fun party, a fun dance party, right? There's, there's dances that like you dance together and there's dances that you dance with your partner. Mm-hmm. We need to have both in our lives. We, when we need to have prayer that we are praying as a community, we need to have prayer that we're praying as like in the interior of our heart with Jesus enthroned upon our hearts. Oh, I wanna, before I forget, uh, I, I misquoted Lord of the Rings. So oh, no. Whenever, okay. whenever Gandalf talks to Frodo, he says, if you're referring to the incident with the dragon, I was hardly involved. But at another point, it was I'm, I'm sure it was somewhere either in the Hobbit or in Lord of the Rings. He just says, all I gave him was like a push out the door. Thought I should cover my butt, just in case. Yeah, it's okay. But coming back around, complacency kills, man. It, yeah. It, it, it's, it's sort of a killer... Um, a killer mood. Yeah, it is. And something that I want to kind of speak to is that I think us as a church have been complacent or at least struggling with that temptation because I mean, like admittedly America is pretty comfortable. It's a pretty comfortable living situation. Um, so that's, that's one of our, I think our cultural struggles that we have to deal with. Um, so I guess the thing that we need to be aware of is that comfortability is good. But uh, being led into that and being led out of that by Jesus is even more important. It's the way to, honestly, it's the way to actually enjoy it. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about it, like, what is, what is, like, really good about, like, being able to sit down after a long, hard day's work? Is it the fact that you can sit down or is it the fact that you had a really satisfyingly hard day work day of work and now you can finally sit and rest? Mm-hmm. If you just sit and rest all day, do you feel great after that? Because I certainly don't. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what I'm getting at is that we need to allow Jesus to lead us in and out of phases of, of comfortability rather than just forcing ourselves to stay in comfortability. We want happiness. Any other thoughts? I don't know, man. I think a good. I think that's I think that's good. Okay. Actually, I think something that... Um, I think backs me up with what I'm trying to say is the rest of the psalm. So I just want to highlight this in light of what I was saying. Um, Hear, O Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. So, Lord, be be my helper when it comes to figuring out when to be comfortable, when to not. But the next line is even more important to this. You changed my mourning into dancing. Mm -hmm. You took off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. So I think, once again... Just to reiterate, it is the Lord who gives us these phases, these times, um, so that we don't uh, get complacent, but we can more enjoy life as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And if you were in that time of complacency and you feel like you've fallen back and we're in that place that David uh, found himself. um, Or one of us. Yeah. uh, Then understand that that's not God like leaving your life. He's just kind of like shaking you up a bit, saying like, "Yep, hey, I, I, I gave you your the, all the goodness in your life. Come back, come back." Right, right. Something I want to highlight there is that, uh, but you hid your face. You didn't yeah. walk away. You right. hid your face. Mm-hmm. So Jesus hasn't left our church. 
if you might feel that way. Jesus hasn't left your house if you might feel that way. Jesus might be hiding his face, but he hasn't left you. He has not left you. He has not abandoned you. So if you feel that he, if you, if it feels like he might have, it's time to call upon the Holy Spirit. It's time to, to wake up and enjoy what the Lord is doing. Um, and just to wrap this all up so that my glory may praise you and not be silent. This is what true humility is, right? It's acknowledging that I am living earth and what I do gives glory to God because I am his child. Mm -hmm. I represent him. And if I do nothing, I'm representing God. If I do good in his name with him, with him, I want to emphasize that with him, we don't want to just be running around doing things in his name that are not with him. But we want to be doing things with him. We give glory to him. And his glory changes everything like we covered in the last podcast. It just changes everything. Um, yeah. And finally, oh Lord, my God, forever I will give you thanks. There's just something very reassuring in that. Because there's a lot of things to be thankful for. And in that we receive even more joy. Yeah. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Alrighty. Any last thoughts? Not for me. I can't think of any uh, challenge either. What would it, what would you say is a good challenge? If you're struggling with um, with what's going on in the in our our American culture right now, and you're struggling with uh, the racism that's going on. If you're struggling with either side, uh, whatever political view you might be dealing with, whatever uh, you're being fed right now, uh, my challenge to you is to turn to Psalm 43, and I want you to pray that. If this is something that is not really bothering you too much for whatever reason, either you don't really, you know better than to watch a lot of news, or if um, this just isn't really in your sphere of influence. I mean, honestly, that, that, that's a lot of people that this, this whole thing really isn't in our, our sphere of influence other than maybe getting educated here and there. Um, otherwise, and I, I'd actually encourage everybody to read this one, Psalm 45. So Psalm 43, if you're longing for justice, if you're longing to be defended, if you're longing to be understood, but Psalm 45 and I want you to read it with the understanding that the royal wedding that you're reading about is between your heart and God. So even if you're a man, you still are receiving God's love, right? He is still your savior. He's still the one who died for your heart and wants to spend eternity with you. So um, read Psalm 45 with the intent that it is between your soul and God. All right? So with that, we thank you for joining in again and uh, know that we are praying for you and we hope that you enjoyed this. Take care and God bless. Bye.